Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey, Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, we've got a lot to talk about here as uh, unlike last week where the Kraken were maybe trending up a little, um, taking some steps back these last couple games. Uh, got a lot to, to get into. I mean, my, my thoughts and stuff from, from being up there and, and our kind of role reversal, we'll get to that kind of stuff. Definitely got some interesting news and notes, things to talk about. And then really for the Deep Dive, I mean, it's... We've already kind of done it this season a couple times, but it's a, it's another deep dive into what's really going on here. And and there's been some new numbers or some new sample size. Uh, new sample sizes have come out that allow us to look at certain numbers that maybe we were avoiding looking at before just because you don't want to draw conclusions from maybe a one-off night here or there skewing things. But we're a quarter of the way into the season. It's time to finally dig into some of that stuff. So we'll get to all that in a little bit. But first up, off the bat, got to mention two things really quick. Uh, one, Patreon prospect live chat later today. So if you are listening to this kind of as soon as it comes out, make sure to join me at 7 p.m. tonight over at the Patreon. I'm going to be doing my first ever rankings of the Kraken prospects. So that's really exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And hey, look, if you're a Patreon member and you can't make it, uh, that link will still work and you can watch the video on demand later on at, at your own leisure. And so you can still get to see the rankings and all that fun stuff. Um, and then secondly, RJ, I mean, it's the fact that this podcast is presented by Queen Anne Beer Hall, which I was able to go to finally for season three. Be there. Get my pretzel. I was looking forward to this. Dylan, how was the pretzel? Was it everything you hoped and dreamed it would be? It was. I mean, look, these pretzels, everybody, it's, it's a soft pretzel, you know, like, right? Like everybody has that concept. But then imagine that, but it's bigger than any soft pretzel you've ever seen. With the exception yeah. of maybe something monstrous out of a Guinness Book of World Records. But it's, you know, it's bigger than my face as I'm sitting there looking at the tray it comes out on. Like, it's too big for a plate. i got to bring it out on a tray. Um, but just the fact that it is, it's warm, it's fresh. I mean, the, the, the the texture of the bread inside like the dough is just so perfect and beautiful it's it's like perfectly salted all that stuff like they are just so good i could eat those every time i'm up there like oh man yeah i didn't i skipped i skipped the media meal rj because i had the pretzel pregame i was like i nothing's <laughs> gonna come close to this it's massive it fills you up you know you don't need anything else yeah, no media meal can beat that pretzel. I, I will say that much. And um, I don't know if you tried the dipping sauce. I know that's not really your thing. You you just kind of like to go with the pretzel, but those are fantastic as well. Um, and Dylan, I will say some, I'll tease kind of something about the new beer hall location, by the way, at Moss Bay Hall opening Ooh. December 13th. I hear some things about the food, some things you might like also. They put a lot of time and effort into their pizza. And I know you oh. like pizza. I know you're a fan. It's Detroit style pizza. <gasps> Oh my and gosh. I hear it's really good. I was literally just talking to my sister earlier today about Detroit style pizza and how much I like it. Like, like no lie. I know you you know nothing <laughs> about this. Like, that is actually super legit. Oh, I am pumped. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be open. The new location should be open for winter classic time, right? Yes, definitely. December 13th it opens. So there we'll be, we go. Uh, open for a couple weeks before the winter classic. Oh, I love it. Ooh, good stuff. Oh. Love it, love it, love it. And uh, shout out one more time to, to Lonnie and Jessica for the pretzel, by the way. Got to gotta get that. Yeah, in big thanks too. to them. Really, Thank really you for the showing it. Dylan the love. Really appreciate it. Um, all right, RJ, let's let's kick things off with some with some news and notes for this uh, week that was. Right. So we'll start off. Well, we got a from 
the uh, the Detroit style pizza. We got to keep the good news rolling, right? Yep. Um, and so we'll start with Andre Burakovsky. So he has returned to the ice, and actually, you got to see this because you mm -hmm. were there on location at the Kraken practices. He was skating again, albeit in the red non-contact jersey. But what did you see from him as far as just kind of level of movement returning from what we assume is a collarbone slash shoulder injury? Yeah, so first day was him, you know, working before practice on his own with with a couple coaches uh, out there, and you know, he he looked he looked like Andre Burakovsky uh, right away. You knew it was him. Uh, he looked good, moving around really well. wasn't doing too much as far as say shooting drills and things. And if everybody remembers, you know, the the injury, we only know it's upper body officially from the team. But looking back at the way he crashed into the boards, we all were guessing something either shoulder or collarbone related and I will say for everything that I got to see from him you know a, a lot of what he was doing was skating based or passing based not as much shooting stuff uh so still obviously working back from that there's you know no he's not no immediate return is expected or anything like that I, I believe eminent was the word that Hextall used when asked about him um but he looked really good and so he was working with, on his own that first practice before everybody else came out and then from then on he was participating in the no contact red jersey with the team like he ran through that last day of practice he did everything with the team uh, working on that Wenberg line turbo, obviously in the Vancouver game left. We'll get to that in a moment. Wenberg just, I mean, uh, Burakovsky just slotted right in on that Wenberg line with Schwartz um, for that practice. And, you know, he was, he was doing everything. Like I said, he's not really shooting at the moment, but he's doing everything else and he, he looks good. I mean, the playmaking is still there. He's one of the best passers on this team. And that was still evident. So it was good to see him out there and good to see him getting some work in with the guys. And good to see that progression for Burakovsky. Definitely, uh, you know, much needed, it feels like, in this Kraken lineup. His return uh, will be very important. Um, so a, a couple other injuries to talk about. Uh, Brandon Tanev, unfortunately, was hurt again after a, a hard but clean hit from Niels Hoaglander. I mean, who knew he had that in him yeah. uh, during the Canucks game? But, I mean, he just you know, smacked right into Brandon Tanev and uh, Tanev clearly visibly frustrated on the bench, as you saw, did a good job kind of getting the video up. Um, you know, we don't know what the injury is. Uh, Hackstall didn't really give an update on him and, and said he wasn't sure if he'll be traveling with the team. Uh, Chicago, turns out he did make the road trip. So he was with the team in Chicago, but wasn't available for the game last night. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll probably get another update in a day or two on Brandon Tanev, but hoping he's okay. Definitely. I mean, it was it was tough to see. And you could just tell like everybody in the building when you know, when you saw it was Tanev and it looked, you know, like a lower body type thing. You were just like, oh, no. Right. Like this is just it's something it's the only thing that's ever been proven to hold him back is his time with the Kraken. Right, RJ? It's, it's these lower body injuries. So you're just like, oh, no, not again kind of thing. Uh, so, yes, it's it, hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to to get back soon. Yeah, can't seem to catch a break with those. Speaking of another guy who it feels like can't seem to catch a break injury-wise, uh, the final injury update here is from Jaden Schwartz. And uh, this one is worrying for me because this happened in the Chicago game last night. And I think he looked like he blocked a, a shot with his foot, kind of got a puck off the foot. And then he went right to the bench, right down the tunnel. And he was ruled out very fast. For the remainder of the game it was just maybe a couple minutes later that, that uh, pr let us know that he was not going to be returning to the game and of course with jaden schwartz and his 
lengthy injury history. You always worry about any any new concern. Uh, no update on him after the game, of course, as is standard, and, and no update really since that we can give you. But uh, something definitely a situation to monitor there with his injury. Yeah, you always you always you know tend to think the worst when it comes to how fast uh, they they ruled him out right like that's that's never a good sign uh it means stuff was fairly obviously wrong which is not good um it's just it's so unfortunate because again like you know like you said this has been something that's really plagued him his whole career is just the the injury bug always getting him and one of the things that i talked with people about while i was up there was just how happy everyone was for him that he, he was back this year. He was able to practice, right? Like he had the, the issue with the pads last year, kind of kept him from practicing and, and doing that kind of stuff. But this year, it, it seems like that's been better. Uh, it hasn't been as much of a problem for him. And, and everybody was just so happy for him and, and for that. And he's been playing so well, RJ, for the team, especially on the power play. It's just been, it's just so unfortunate. And on the flip side of that, though, uh, the Kraken have called up a couple forwards as necessary because of the injury woes. Uh, and that is Andrew Podorowski, who was uh, called up a couple days ago. He actually got into a game against Chicago, didn't play a whole lot, played about seven minutes or so. Uh, and then Marion Sudanich, who I imagine will probably get into the lineup if Jaden Schwartz uh, is going to miss any time and Tanev can't return for the next game. Uh, we'll start with Podorowski, though. I mean, what did you see from him? I guess, if anything, in the first game, he didn't play a whole lot. I didn't notice him a lot. I was excited to see him play, too, because you know he's the AHL leading scorer in the past. You know, I I've liked his game looking at him in the preseason and times he's been in training camp, um, but just not given a whole lot of opportunity to make an impact. No, only played, you know, seven and seven forty two. It looks like here um, out, out there. I guess the thing that stood out to me the most was that he was trusted with some power play time last night right mm -hmm. like that's i think significant that you know your first game in there uh obviously he's been around the team but your first game in there and 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 hackstall you know gave him some power play time i think that that speaks to what they believe his ability is uh certainly from a, a skill perspective and i think that that's that's definitely not a nothing you know what i mean yeah, definitely. I mean, like, look, he's a hundred point player in the AHL. He's yeah. shown he has offensive talent. So I don't, he certainly don't have an issue with giving him that power play time. And we'll see if that expands a little bit. And certainly if, you know, Schwartz is out, I mean, that's another power play spot that might open up. So, you know, we'll see about that role going forward. And then really quickly on student each, I do, I do want to say, I kind of liked, um, seeing his game actually you were most most recently at Coachella Valley did he stand out to you at all uh with the Firebirds when you went to go see their game I mean yeah he, he looks really good and, and solid I will admit that I mostly was looking for you know other guys in the prospect realm right uh right. that that are, that are higher up for for things um so I wasn't like scouting him I, I wish I was now of course uh I didn't do like an in-depth scouting thing but like the dude is just so solid his game all the way around the way he can slide into an offensive system and just kind of get going there. Like he, he's, he is somebody that if, if he, if the Kraken should need him on this road trip, he's going to be able to go in and contribute for sure. Yeah. He's fast. I, one thing I noticed during training camp, he's really fast. And also he's got a shot that like a couple times you just beat a goalie clean. I remember that. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll take a note uh, from the student each guy. So good to see him get a call up. Uh, yeah. So that's it with the well, injury news. One, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah. before we move on, I do want to do this. And yes, it's a little bit of analysis here in the news and notes, but I, I think it's relevant given both Tanev and Schwartz being these two guys that we're talking about being out. 
they are very key players to their respective special teams efforts, right? We've, we know mm-hmm. what Brandon Tanev's absence does to the penalty kill when he's out and he's out now. And we know uh, this year what Jaden Schwartz has meant to the power play. I believe he leads the team in power play goals. He's been like the guy there. And last night we noticed, we talked about it in the post game before I even like put it together. I was saying, I thought, that the power play started off okay in that Chicago game. Yeah, they didn't score, but they looked good. And then later on in the game, their power plays just looked terrible. Like they just couldn't get things going. And later on, as we were talking and chat kind of pointed out, well, Schwartz was gone for those later power plays. And we saw what a difference it makes, similar to the difference that Brandon Tanev makes. I, I, I guess there's there's like a there's like a spicy question I could ask around that, RJ. And that's like, are the Kraken too reliant on some of their role players sometimes where the you miss one of those guys and their respective special teams unit just doesn't look the same? It's a good question to ask. On the PK, I'm tempted to say no, as much as Brandon Tanev helps there, just because you've got even some of your skill players, like a Jared McCann and Alex Wenberg, who I think are really good penalty killers. I know the numbers haven't been good this season on the PK, but it just feels like they've got a really deep bench for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on the power play, though, it feels weird to say that they're too reliant on Jaden Schwartz, but I think they might be after watching the end of that Chicago game. Certainly the five on three. And that's a point yeah. in that game that everyone's going to point to is you have to score there. And I agree with that. I mean, the, the game is on the line. You have to score. And they're just kind of working the puck around the outside. They can't get the puck to the inside, even though Chicago only has three skaters on the ice. And I think if you have Jaden Schwartz net front, maybe you have some looks there that are a little more convincing to try and get the D to just throw a puck into a dangerous area, which they really didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there might be something to that. I think we'll find out a lot more uh, next game against Toronto if he ends up missing time there. Uh, but the power play has been a strength recently for the Kraken. It's kind of needed to be. Yeah. And I don't think they can afford to have it run cold again if Jaden Schwartz is going to miss time. They are above league average when it comes to power play percentage. Just a hair under 22% right now. Uh, they've had 16 power play goals, RJ. Jaden Schwartz leading the team with five of them. So nearly a third of their power play goals this year have come from him. So yeah, somebody's going to need to, or multiple people ideally, will need to step up if he is indeed going to miss time um, with that, that uh, looks like lower body. The worrying thing is, saying. I, I, I don't know who, because we've talked about this, like going back over a year, like who is the net front guy, if not Jaden Schwartz, know. like he is the guy who does that on this team. Kyler Yamamoto can do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Yanni Gord, I think might be one you might consider moving to net front on the power play if Schwartz well, is going to miss extended time. Here's because they did it last year and it worked. Yeah, here's one. Why can't it be Alexander Wenberg? Like, he's one of the best players on this team when it comes to moving screens, right? He's not a big shooter of the puck, but if you're net front, you're really there to clean up a rebound. Like, he can do that. Mm -hmm. That's how he scores most of his goals that he does score, right? A lot of times are him banging home a rebound. What what do you think of the idea of maybe putting an Alexander Wenberg there? In a pinch, I think it's okay. I don't love it. I do remember back to year one when they were really trying Wenberg net front on the power play. And I even asked him about it too. And he kind of seemed a little hesitant about it too, especially like with the tips and the hand-eye coordination. He's like, yeah, I mean, as you can tell, it needs some work. Um, you know, It doesn't seem like that's where he's the most comfortable. He's played there in the past, but I, I would rather have Yanni Gord there personally. 
Yeah, I think Yanni Gord would be better for the tips and everything. I was thinking of just like if you get somebody to screen, I think Wenberg's the He's best really good option. at the screens. Yeah. 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 So I guess it's it depends on what you're going for. And I'm willing to write off everything special teams wise year one because they had no time to work on any of it. <laughs> like I know I, I get that. I just remember that conversation with yeah, him though, that's where fair. it seemed like, Very Yeah, fair. I've got I've got some work to do here. You know, he was a little kind of, you know, shy about it. So yeah. that's that kind of stuck in my head. That's very, very fair. I did not have that experience. It's good for bringing it up. All right, RJ, uh, next next news and note item. All right, so the next uh, item here is the Winter Classic jerseys. We talked about it a little bit on the last deep dive when they were leaked, uh, unveiled. I don't know. We weren't sure, uh, but they were officially revealed. We've learned a lot more since. We've seen Kraken players wearing them. You've seen them in person. I guess now we've both seen them in person at the team stores. We've got to see all the details and everything. Uh, they were officially revealed this past week, and um, I start off by saying i just i think they look gorgeous i think they are amazing they've done perfect i was a little hesitant last week because we hadn't seen them we'd only seen the blank jerseys we just saw them without the numbers or everything the red numbers just bring everything together I, I think they just complete the jersey and it looks fantastic now but you got to see them much closer up in person you were there in person for the yep. reveal day what are your thoughts on the jerseys and also kind of how the team did the whole reveal event uh, at the morning skate there? So the jerseys are just unbelievably fantastic, right? And I'm with you. The red numbers totally make it work. Uh, they're they're going to be visible on the broadcast. I think it adds to just the overall kind of vintage flair. It gives you a color that is reminiscent of the Metropolitans, which is what you're going for for all this. Um, but when you're there and you see and feel the jersey in person and you see that it is, in fact, a, a felt crest on the front and the, the, the lettering and the numbers are, are felt red felt on the back. And it, again, gives it more of that vintage old school hockey, old school jersey feel to it. It just brings the whole thing together. And I know that there had been people that were, you know, a little more on the fence when they had just been leaked. I was I was a little on the fence leaning towards, look, I like what they were doing. I think this is a good modern interpretation of, of that, of paying homage to, to the Metropolitans. But when you really get to see it and feel it and you notice those details it puts it over the top and I got to think nobody could stay on the fence about it other than just the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're horizontal stripes, which is not great. <laughs> it's, it's never going to be good from a fashion perspective, but if you get past that, they are just fantastic. Um, in, in person, they just, nothing compares. I'd, I'd put them up there with the away jerseys is like this. It's like the second best Kraken Jersey to me. Yeah. I, I think, it might be in the running for the best for me. I, I was thinking about this. Is it the best Kraken jersey there is? And I, I do like the away ones, you know, on the normal set. But yeah. this one, I don't know. It has, you know, more of the blue on it. It's a proper home jersey. I think I think it's the best Kraken jersey that they have. I'll go ahead and say it. All right. Well, we'll see what people have to say about that, RJ. Uh, but they are they are fantastic. And I will say this. I mean, everybody loves them. Like they are selling out like crazy. If you just waited a week and then you tried to buy one online, multiple sizes were sold out. I know from speaking with team employees there and not just there, but at other team stores around Seattle, every single Kraken team store, whether it was at KCI in arena or, you know, in a mall somewhere, every single store had record. They broke their sales record that week because of these jerseys. Like they were selling out 
every single time they did it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if any are left for the Winter Classic, RJ. I have to assume they've stored some for that, right? I, I have to imagine they want people to be able to purchase those closer to the game. But boy, it's just, it's, it's pretty remarkable how much the fan base is really on board and, and really wants these things. Yeah, I mean, I think after the reverse retro jerseys, you know, which didn't do as well as expected sales wise, mm -hmm. I think the fans were and, and also, you know, may or may not have been cursed, depending on which yes. fans you listen to. It certainly to, doesn't help. <laughs> I think they were eager to have one to kind of jump on. And look, this is something that I think the fan base has been waiting for since the start of the team, a Metropolitans inspired jersey. Yeah. They know there's that history there. Uh, and we heard. Uh, like when the reverse retro was coming out that like, no, they're not going to do anything Metropolitans for that because they're saving it for a special event. Yep. And of course, you know, what could be more special than a winter classic in year three, they save it for that. So I think it was something that a lot of people were just anticipating for many years. And now they finally have the chance to go buy it. Does make you wonder how long ago the Kraken kind of knew internally they were going to be getting said event like a winter classic, uh, which I think is fun. Um, just, I think just there might have been thing. like a little nod, wink kind of thing yeah. from the league, whether it was, you know, a winter classic or some other kind of event. You know, they, yeah. usually these things are communicated. Well, you spend that much money on an expansion franchise. It's the least that they could do. Um, all right. So there's there's that aspect of it. Now, for the, the Jersey reveal standpoint, um, they, you know, uh, before it was on practice, it was practice Tuesday. If you showed up to KCI, you came in from lot nine. Is that upper lot, right? The, the one up by. Yeah. yeah. So if, you, if you came in from that, you, you're up on that upper level by, you know, 32 Barn Grill. And then the team store, the team store was was blacked out, RJ. Couldn't see in there. They didn't open it at the normal time. You knew something was happening. I mean, big surprise. They emailed all the season ticket holders this was happening. Uh, but you knew you knew what was going on. You knew they were in there. You could tell that there was excitement. There was a lot of people there for that practice. And uh, as everybody funneled in right at 10 o'clock, they, they showed the video that they released on Twitter. Um, and it was, you know, met to thunderous applause and then a bunch of people getting up and going to the team store and purchasing jerseys. Uh, <laughs> it definitely had the, the effect. I thought the, the Jersey reveal video was very good. I thought the pictures and everything that the NHL and the Kraken put out for both jerseys were really solid. Just the, the way they handled all that. They gave it pretty, I think what I would say is a Seattle Kraken theme approach. Whenever they do this stuff, it's, it's nautical. It's got, you know, a, a definitely a whole seafaring idea towards it. I think that all works for this. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought the team's handling of the reveal after they had already been leaked slash revealed was good. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction to make. The team's side of the reveal was very good. Uh, but, of course, there is the matter of the league side of the reveal. And that one, I, I don't think we can say was quite as good. Now that we have a little bit more information to talk about it, because last week we were just confused. Yeah. We weren't sure what was going on, whether this was like leaked, someone had missed an email or, or what was going on. Turns out it appears to have been intentional. Uh, and it was an effort by the NHL to, I guess, look, we know what they were trying to do. You're trying to get some of your product out to a different audience that doesn't always see it. You're trying to create that viral moment online where everyone's asking, oh, what is this? What is this? And it kind of you know blows up social media. We know what the intention was. The execution, Dylan was I think we, it's fair to say was pretty poor really bad it's like so bad like it it worked I we talked about this on the on the red glare our, our patreon podcast right and my two main takeaways were 
that's fine. You can you can do a surprise reveal and, and try to generate that buzz and get the excitement going and have everybody on Twitter going, whoa, what's going on? What is this? What's happening? That's all good. Like, that's really solid. You have to follow it up, you know, at least the next morning, if not maybe sooner, with what's going on. Like, then you drop the details, right? While it's still hot and everybody's talking about it and it's in the zeitgeist. You don't then like go like another day and then an AEW event and whoa, there's both jerseys. But again, are these actually the Winter Classic jerseys and nobody's mentioning it. And like that's that's a problem, right? At some point, you need to mention the event. And especially if you're going to use the NBA, AEW, you're using these other popular, frankly, more popular sports and events to promote your big thing. You have to, have to, have to, have to, have to tell their audience what it is that they're doing. That's the whole point. By doing this, you're trying to get NBA fans, AEW fans to take note of this big deal event that you are going to have. You need to let them know what the event is, when it's happening, and why it's special. And that didn't happen. And to me, that makes it an instant fail. Right. I, there was no further information. The, you had the jazz Utah jazz players just walking in wearing these jerseys. Didn't look like they really knew what nope. they were. The, the jazz social media account didn't. It was just a little kind of wink like, hey, what's cracking? You know, only people who already know about that event and are already looking at that stuff are, are going to you figure it out and talk about this stuff. I'm, I'm totally with you, Dylan. Like you have to put that information out there. And also I thought you brought up another good point on the red glare too, is these jerseys look, they, they look a little odd. If you don't know the story yes. behind them, the history, the context, as you said, nobody does the horizontal stripes anymore. You have to know that that's a design based on a hundred year old hockey team. And that's why it looks really cool. Otherwise you were saying they're like NBA fans might be looking at this, like, man, that's an ugly Jersey. Like, why do they have, you know, why do they have it looking like that? And looking at the Vegas Jersey, which just is an ugly Jersey and be like, okay, you know, that right. this NHL thing, you know, no wonder they don't have any fans, you know, they, these jerseys look terrible. You have to explain the story behind it as well, that it's for this event, uh, you know, with a hundred year history or just a little something at least telling them about that. And there was just none of that. And so it felt like a totally wasted opportunity where the only people still talking about it by the end of those two days were people who were already in tune with what was going on, who are already going to watch the game anyway. Yeah. And were just left confused by the whole thing. Right. Literally, like the only the only people that so you have, you confuse the people who are like hardcore <laughs> yes. into it and you don't gain any new people. Right. Like obviously Kraken fans were into it and understood what was happening. And they're the ones that talked about it. And obviously they had a desire to go and buy the jersey. Right. If you announce to them, hey, this is the, in fact the jersey. So they're not all questioning it. And you tell them the date and time they could go to buy it. That's a good idea. And then, yes, for the rest of it. <laughs> Whether it's other NHL fans, because remember, they're still part of your core audience for something like a Winter Classic. So you want to give them the understanding of what's happening here. And certainly for fans of other sports to just show jerseys that, you know, in one case, in Vegas's case, is just a terrible jersey, a create a team in a bad video game level jersey. And then on the Kraken side, highly stylized around a very specific moment in history that none of us were around for you need to provide context if you want to you know have anybody get excited or, or think that it's cool right the whole reason you're trying to show this to other people is to get them to think it's cool and to check it out and if you don't provide that that level of context 
what's cool about it, right? It's it's a Kraken S with the numbers kind of all randomly thrown in there, right? They're not like even and whatever. Like they're they're I I guarantee you there are people watching either the AEW thing or Utah Jazz fans just going like, why? What what is that? Like who designed this? You know what I mean? Like you had, yeah. there had to be. And without the the context that makes it so cool, that just doesn't exist. And by the way, the other cool thing about the jerseys inside that collar, when they have the 1917 thing there, perfect. So perfect. Yep. That that nod to the Seattle Metropolitan team, first American team to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, I know the whole jersey is based off it, but just having the yeah. little detail there. Yeah. Absolutely love that. Yeah. Now my last thing on it, and this was a, around the rollout. I still don't understand. I brought this up on the on the the red glare. I still don't understand why you wouldn't involve, say, the Mariners back when they're still playing, right? Like last home game or one of their last home games, where the game will be taking place. Why you wouldn't promote it then? Have the Mariners come out for warmups or something, or or for you know when they when they stand out there for the national anthem and and they have and they're holding um, Kraken hats with the logo on it. Right. Like something to just acknowledge that this is going to be happening in this ballpark in a couple months. Something like that makes way more sense to me than than this. And on Vegas side, you got the Raiders playing right now. Raiders can't come out or do something. They could have done something in their in a preseason game at the same time as the Mariners wrapping up. And, and you could have had fans in Vegas excited for it, too, and, and given them time to think about, you know, creating travel plans to go to Seattle for the game and whatever. Like, I don't know. It, it just again, if you're the NHL, you have had these logos ready i think you should have had the jerseys ready by then but even if you didn't you had better opportunities to do cross sports promotion for this event prior yeah and i understand if you need to do the whole window where it's like black friday shopping season kind of thing yeah. where that's when you want the reveal so fans can go out and buy it right away uh, that still doesn't explain why you didn't do it with the raiders because they're still playing yeah. they're in the regular season right now and i mean that's just to me a bigger opportunity to get it in front of other eyes like if you have Devonte adams walking into the game yep. wearing that vegas reverse retro jersey i know it's a bad jersey but still like everybody is is looking at that not just vegas fans but anyone who has Devonte adams on their fantasy team like that yep. goes all around the country like and, and people can learn about that game and maybe watch it and you know the mariners i know it's the off season right now but like find julio find yep. julio Rodriguez wherever he is in the world whatever he's doing for the offseason find a way to get that jersey on him like yep. that's the kind of thing that will enthrall seattle fans because he's you know maybe the most popular athlete in seattle right now and then also you know he transcends he's a he's a great baseball athlete like it's mm -hmm. a, the whole world of baseball that gets to see that so I don't know. I, I think it could have been done a lot better. And those are some suggestions. Maybe next time in HL, maybe think more along those lines. As always, Gary, our number is wide open. You can call, like get in touch with us. We'll got you, bud. Like it's all good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man. All right. So that was it for news and notes, right? Yep, that's yep. it for news okay. and notes. Yeah, so, I know. Just that's it. I know. I'm still thinking about. The I know. I know. The rollout, how weird it was, uh, but it is time for the deep dive. We because yes, we is. have plenty of stuff to deep dive into, don't we? Yes, we do. Oh man, where to where to even start here, RJ? I think the one thing that we've talked about the most that we could go ahead and and probably start with before we dive into some other stuff, and this is this is relevant to the game that they played last night. It's relevant to the Canucks loss back on Friday, and that's um the effort issue. They're not playing the full sixty minutes. Now we've talked about this at length before. Um, 
there, I, you know, I had a, I had a new idea about it yesterday. You were keying in on something Hackstall talked about on the practice on Saturday. Um, when it comes to the fact that the Kraken can't seem to pull together a full 60-minute performance, RJ, as I was kind of reaching for reasons why that could be outside of just serious problems that they really have to figure out and in a hurry. The one thing I kind of came around to last night, and this was mostly because of Philip Grubauer was I wonder how many of the guys are just playing not at a hundred percent, right? It's, it's a, it's a rough physical sport in hockey. We've already seen multiple guys in and out of the lineup this year. We talked about the injuries up at the, at the top of this. And there was three guys there. Grubauer himself was just coming back for that game yesterday. And I do wonder, you know, I don't think the team is throwing out, guys that are still injured, but guys who are hurt or banged up or, or maybe not quite at a hundred percent, that's what hockey players and teams do. And I do wonder how many of the guys are maybe in that spot, RJ, and maybe that is contributing to what we're seeing from them because these are not guys that anybody has ever questioned the effort of before. And yet here we are now having to do so. And, and I wonder how much of that is just because they're banged up. It's certainly possible, and this is probably the toughest thing for us as media to comment on because we just have we so have little no idea. information. We have no idea. The team would never tell us. You just you don't know these things, and and they can make a really big difference. Like you know, last season when we you know would find out that like you know maybe Jamie Alexiak was kind of banged yeah. up or that he was dealing with things. You only find these things out after the fact, and, and it just it makes a big difference. And they crack and have lost some forwards to injury, as we talked about at the beginning yep. of the podcast. But notably, they haven't lost really any man games to injury on the blue line, and. You know, I think those guys take as much or more punishment as any of the forwards. I think it might even mm -hmm. be unreasonable to think that they're just completely unscathed. I mean, you've got Jamie Alexiak playing great, by the way. I'm not even yes. saying like he's off his game, but he's fourth in the NHL and blocked shots already yeah. on the season. Like, you know, Kraken defenseman, I mean, Adam Larson is, is 24th in the league. So, you know, in blocked shots, these are guys who are putting their body on the line all every game. And so maybe that does play a role. I mean, I know there was some criticism of Adam Larson last game mm -hmm. but you know the minutes that he's putting in and put in all of last season that takes a toll on someone's body especially someone you know who's 30 years old now you know they're not a you know not a, a young player in the league necessarily anymore so I, I think it's certainly possible and it's something that we should you know that we should account for potentially but it's just it's so hard to know yes. we just we can't know it's an unknowable thing but it's it's at least an alternative to the idea of them just not working hard enough Right. Which is where everybody else kind of naturally goes. If if you even and you even have the coach kind of talking about not being able to start games or finish games or or not being able to put in a full 60. If it, you know, it's it's at least an explanation as to why, uh, even if it's not one that that is confirmable. Now, why don't you get to your your assessment then on on what Hackstall had to say? Right. So the thing that I really clued in on after the Chicago game, because after that game, I think both of us had a lot of time to think. I think you keyed in on the potential injuries, which is a good point. Uh, but what I focused on was I remembered that you talked about it after the Vancouver game. So the game right before the Chicago game, um, you were there for morning skate. You were there after the game. And I was after because I was running the start of post game. And afterward, I was kind of focused on the third period where I felt things kind of really unraveled for the Kraken. And it was an ugly third period for them. There's no denying that. Um, so I asked you about it. I was like, was Haxtell kind of really tough on them for another bad third period? And you said something to the effect of like, he wasn't even really that mad about it. It was the start. 
he yeah. didn't like the bad start. Like that's what he was really focusing on that he didn't like from the guys. And I thought that was interesting because it wasn't necessarily what I first thought of. And so I was thinking about that going into the Chicago game and that he must have put in a message there. All right, guys, we got to start better. We got to start better. And then against Chicago, you, you come out flat. You go down to nothing and that start costs you and potentially costs you the game, given the fact that the Kraken were able to kind of get back in it. But they couldn't overcome spotting the Blackhawks two goals there, even though they did you know, tie the game for the first time all season. I yeah. guess they come back from a two goal deficit. But still, the bad start wasn't fixed. And I felt like that was probably the one thing that Hackstall really clued in on. And it's just another worrying sign as far as is the message really getting home to the players now? You could blame the coach there. You could blame the players there. I'm sure there's blame to kind of go around on both sides of it. But that was the worrying sign to me is that that's the area Hackstall pointed out. And it certainly wasn't corrected. Yeah. And it's interesting because he he kind of re-upped that on Saturday when we talked with him. And, and it was really brief. That practice on Saturday, like they, they were getting it in for the season ticket holders and everything. But like they were going to be leaving like an hour and a half after it was over was when the plane ride to Chicago was. So media wise, it was very much a rush just to kind of quickly talk and, and get in and get out. Um, but he, he again talked about that, about starting games. And, and it was very much a focus on starting games. And if I had had a little bit more time, I was trying to work on a question focused on the third period because you know starting games yes mostly this year they've been okay there I know he's zeroed, yeah. zeroed in on it after that Canucks game and then it was again a problem for Chicago but I was working you know I had looked up the information after that that Canucks lost RJ 50% of the games that the Kraken had played up until that point in the month of November 50% half of them in the third period they had seven or fewer shots 25%, so a quarter of all their games, three or less shots in the third period. Like, that's wow. that's ridiculous given the amount of one-goal games that the Kraken play in. So either you're trying to protect a one-goal lead, in which case you want to be applying pressure and not giving them chances, and you're not if you're generating that little offense, or you're playing from behind by only a goal, and you need to be generating shots to make up that difference, and they're not applying that pressure. And so I was trying to come up with, like, quickly, as we were rushing around, um, as, as really the team was rushing around and trying to get out of there, uh, a way of asking that that wasn't just like, here are the numbers, why? Right? I was trying yeah, to get a, give yeah. him a little more. I wasn't quite able to. But then when he started focusing on the first period again, I was like, well, okay. And, and after that Canucks game, it makes sense why you would do that because it's arguably the worst start that they'd had all year and and I say arguably because now we have a Chicago game that's up there with it as another potential worst start that they've had all year so I still think the third period is really an issue for them but yes it's concerning that if the coach spends after one game multiple days talking about starting a game off well and strong and then you come out flat that's a problem yeah, and I'm with you on the third period being a bigger issue overall. Um, but it feels like a lot of the times with the crack in this season, it's you know, people have used the metaphor of like the boat springing a leak and, you know, you go plug the leak and then another leak, po leak pops up somewhere yeah. else. Um, and they've generally been good at plugging the leak that they're looking at. Yes. You know, go and be like, okay, that's a problem. Let's fix that. And then something else springs up. And, you know, that's, of course, a problem in itself. But this was an instance and it felt like a new thing where they're looking at the leak. They know exactly what the problem is. They try and solve it and then they don't. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where it reached another level for me. 
yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's it's something that they're going to have to figure out because especially starting games was one of the few things that at no point this year pre- previously they had to worry about. That was by far and away their best period. They were establishing leads for themselves and then it was closing things out later on. It was giving up those leads. That was really more so the problem for them. If you're going to add this on, that's not good, I guess I'll say. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you can't, maybe Chicago, you can kind of afford to spot them two goals early if you pick it up later. You can't do that against Toronto tomorrow. You just can't do it. It's a tough league, RJ. The the parody is, is it's out there in this league this year, especially. It's it's a tough thing for them to do. Um, I guess, you know, in, in that vein, RJ, as they've started, well, first off, do you want to get to, to what you had to say, kind of what you had stumbled on last night that kind of made you, you know, think about things a little bit differently? Yeah, I mean, as far as where the, the team is right now, uh, and this is something I looked up uh, during post game. I was kind of trying to compile this real quick because we got a question about like, well, how much better is this team really than year one? I mean, the, the, it was kind of doom and gloom. There was talk about year one. And so I'm like, OK, well, let's just go look at the numbers. Let's look at where they were after 23 games in each of the first three seasons. And so after 23 games in year one, you know, the, the bad expansion season, uh, the Kraken had 18 points in the standings. Um, after year two, so last year, after 23 games, they had 33 points in the standings. I mean, that is a dramatic improvement. After this year, through 23, or this year, through 23 games, uh, 21 points. So only three points better than year one, uh, 12 points worse than year two. Um And I was a little surprised to see that. I thought they'd be a little bit further clear of year one. And I thought, I mean, year two was just ridiculous. Like last season was, was ridiculous. You look at 33 points right now, that's top of the NHL standings. Nobody has 33 points yet in the NHL. So, I mean, they they had a crazy November. That's one thing it tells me. Also uh, in year one, yes, they had 18 points through 23 games. They were, that Kraken team was about to lose 12 of their next 15 games. They were about to go on their worst run of the season, and so it would end up looking a lot worse than that. But, I mean, given that those numbers are so close, you have to ask, okay, you know, what takeaways can you really come up with? Um, And, and, you know, how different is this team from year one? And I do think it is very different. And so you have Mm -hmm. to kind of look elsewhere besides the standings. Uh, But it did force us to kind of reexamine, you know, our assumptions about this team, I think. Yeah, it it did. And, you know, we talked about the idea of like, well, on ice, they look just infinitely better than that year one team in the sense that they have offensive systems that they can run. They have power play and and penalty kill strategies and and um, concepts that they can run that they didn't really have time to develop year one because they had about two weeks of training camp where everybody had to get to know each other first off, much less develop a style of play. And then you had COVID consistently limiting what you were able to do all throughout that season. So, you know, year one, it looked a lot worse. You also had historically bad goaltending, right? We know about the issues that the goaltenders had that year. You were giving up multiple breakaways every game. Like the systems just were not there. You had guys defensively pinching up like the, the Hackstall deactivated approach wasn't really there yet and so you just had guys pinching up and getting burned for it rather than really having set plays and and being involved in the cycle and all of that stuff that we see now um so the the on ice product was certainly a lot worse year one to to what it is now just because of those struggles those unique struggles that they were going to have to go through 
but the results yeah. are yeah. the results are the results, right? Like and and, and sports is a result. <laughs> Same number of wins, also. Yes. you know, year one, year three. There's eight wins after twenty three games. You know, the Kraken have more loser points this year, but same number of wins. Yes. And, and that's, that's again, something that in sports, and this is, you know, coming from somebody who worked in an organization, the one thing everybody tells you is that, you know, sports is a result driven business and it doesn't matter what your track record is, how great you were at some point, if the results aren't there for a year or two in a row kind of thing, you, you're out of a job. That's just the way it works. It doesn't matter who you are, right? All, all, Hall of Fame coaches, Hall of Fame GMs have been fired from jobs before just because of the way it is, the nature of the beast. So it's something that the Kraken need to figure out, especially given just some of the conversations that have been going around the fan base. It's it's really something. Now, I will say they're playing better. I don't think they're going to go and lose 12 of their next 15. And I would think you're on board with that, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No. So I, I don't know. I mean, sh- should I get into the charts now or do you want to speak more about that first, RJ? No, I mean, I think you can get into the charts. I guess all I'll, all I'll say really is just that I, I do want to reiterate this isn't this isn't the team from year one. No. Like it, it, they, they are better. And I think someone in, you know, in postgame, you know, summarize well, like, you know, they're not bad. They're just playing bad. Um, You know, you take that year one team with kind of the lack of talent that you have. There's no path for them to make the playoffs if they can kind of figure things out. This year's team has the talent. They're so close on paper to to what was a hundred point team last season, which, yes, we can say they overachieved. And, and, you know, maybe that was that was true. Um, But, you know, they're not they're not a team like year one where you had Hayden Fleury playing forward where you yes. had, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Dylan, but Victor Rask is your two C, um, you know, they're, they're not that team. No, they're, they're not. They're not. Um, all right. So on the question of, you know, are, they're not bad, but they're playing bad. I think there's, there's elements to that. And one of the things that, you know, at first I was like, but they're not even because, you know, but before prior to the Chicago game, there was some charts put out. The chart right now that I'll reference is from J Fresh Hockey, which is um, I don't how would you best describe J Fresh RJ? I mean, it's a it's a hockey analytics um, independent company. Person? Yeah, I mean, he you know he 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 works with you know he he does you know analytics, puts out charts and you know and data viz yeah. and stuff like that. And I describe him, I think, more more kindly than you would. I, I know you're not always the fan of the snark from him sometimes, but um, yeah. So it, it's from Jay Fresh. I think he does put out a lot of useful stuff. Yeah, definitely. I was just like I was just saying. I was just trying for somebody who hasn't heard of Jay Fresh. Like, no, that's what true. Would you it's say it's they important did? we explain that's, that. That's yeah. what that's what they do. Think um, hockey analytics. Yeah. It's yeah, it's hockey analytics in easy to digest charts and tables is is what they put out there you go and and this one was 5v5 expected goals percentage uh came out in november 26th okay and it's score and venue adjusted seattle kraken are 10th rj on this list 10th best by like i'll clarify 10th in the league when it comes to 5v5 expected goals percentage meaning that they are expected to score more so than the opponent Right? They're doing a better job of generating offensive chances without giving up offensive chances than 22 other teams in the league. And I think that that's, that's stood for a lot of the stuff that we've talked about this year when it's you know coming to the defense of, say, Matty Beniers when he wasn't scoring, he wasn't generating points. But the numbers showed, look, he's driving offense. It didn't matter which wingers you were putting with him. He was generating offense. He wasn't giving up 
chances going the other way. He's playing well. Similar situation with Wenberg when he wasn't producing counting stats too. They're playing well. And I still think, RJ, that the forward group is playing exceptionally well this year. They are playing good hockey. They've just largely been unlucky when it comes to bounces, and they've struggled with finishing on some of the really good looks that they're able to generate for themselves. You want to comment on that before I move to stage two? I guess just to say, yeah, they are generating shot quality. That's what it tells us. They are generating high amounts of quality shots. If you look yes. at the location and the type of these shots, where they're coming from, they are getting to those areas that, that generate the type of shots that you would normally expect to turn into goals. They haven't turned into goals as much as you would like uh, this season, but they're they're certainly generating that that offense and they're finishing on them more recently, I think, too, than they were in the beginning of the season. Oh, definitely, definitely. All right, so stage two slash chart two is from Money Puck now, which is uh, another hockey analytics website. You just go to the moneypuck.com, I believe. Uh, yes, uh, so you could go there, check out lots of good stuff. This is the one with the winnometer, if you've seen people post about that on Twitter. And this is a chart of goal differential above expected. So what this is doing is taking goals for above expected and goals against above expected and, and then giving you a goal differential there um, of, you know, the goals, you know, it, it's basically, it's it's what it sounds like. It's, it's your goal differential, just like how many goals you've scored versus given up. And that gives you a number. This is the same thing, but for expected goals. And if you're the Kraken, you're, you know, in the top half of the league at minus 2.07 goals for above expected, meaning they've generated two expected goals more than they've actually scored on the ice, right? This is where the, the bad luck and the struggles finishing come in. They've scored less than they should have in, you know, is a, as a manner of speaking, but it's only, it's only minus two. That's still fairly good. Okay. Yeah, over 23 games. Yeah. yeah. And realistically, you want to be around zero for something like this, because that means you're not overachieving. You're not underachieving. You're you're basically play. You're you're having the, the performance that you're playing at. So in my mm. opinion, you want to be around zero. Maybe you want to be like the Canucks and be positive 14 and just hope it never ends. But I would rather be consistent personally. <laughs> um, when it comes to goals against above expected. Now, this is a number you would ideally like to be very low. And the Kraken are at 11.3 RJ. They've given up 11 more goals than they should have. So the defense and the and the goaltending, clearly more so a problem because this chart is separated by the goal differential above expected, and the Kraken are fourth worst in the league at minus 13.37. They're down there with the Sharks, the Minnesota Wild, and the Edmonton Oilers, RJ. And when it comes to that goals against above expected number, it's the Minnesota Wild and it's the Edmonton Oilers as the only two teams that are worse than the Seattle Kraken. And that to me is is really where the, the problem lies because you look at that first chart that I talked about and the Kraken are a top 10 team when it comes to generating chances. You look at the fact that their goals for above expected is not that bad. It just shows that they've maybe been a little unlucky or struggled finishing a little. But then when you look and they're in the bottom four of the league, when you're down there with those other teams, two of which have fired a coach and the other of which looks like one of the worst teams of modern hockey history. That's that's concerning and that's a problem. And I think it really does mean that defense and goaltending is really where everybody needs to be putting their focus. And I don't just mean fans. I mean, like maybe the coaching staff and the players, they really need to focus on, on getting that up because that's potentially what's sinking the ship right now. 
Yeah, I think it's certainly the got to be the number one area of focus. And you can look at it a couple different ways, too. I, I think when people see that stat and certainly when you look at the, the goalie stats, because a lot of that reflects on the goalies as far as goals saved above expected, where you're looking at individual goalie stats, uh, you know, it can look very bad. I think um, Jay Fresh also or was it Money Puck? Yeah. So Money Puck like posted the, about the you know worst goalies in the league. By goal saved above expected, you have Philip Brubauer as the sixth worst goalie in the league and Joey Decord as the 12th worst goalie in the league. I think it can be tempting to look at it as just a goaltending issue, but I think also you have to look at things defensively because I think one thing with these expected goal stats too, I think they fail to kind of capture on the really high end the true danger yeah. of a chance that like, let's say the goalie has no chance of stopping. Yep. Um, where, I mean, I, I'm going to try and like go quickly to look at the game last night. But remember, there's the one where um, it was the first goal Chicago yep. got, where it was yep. just basically a slam dunk rebound. That goal is going in, you know, 100% of the time. Grubauer is, you know, they can't get to it. Like, we we know that looking at it. Um, and I believe it was given, yeah, 0.341 expected goal. So 34% chance of scoring when really we know it's something like, you know, maybe 90%, you know, on that instance. And there, there are yeah. limitations to this kind of thing. Um, but so I think it undercounts at the high end. And so I think it can end up looking worse on the goalies rather than the defense. And I think you see that too in the fact that Edmonton is so low. Yes, um, yes they've had bad goaltending this season. But if you watch their defense and the chances they've given up defensively over the season that no goalie could stop, yeah. I think there's a lot of that as well. I mean, that's why I picked the – I was so confident picking the under before the season on these crack and goalie save percentages. I thought that even if things are going really well, um, you know, just Grubauer is not going to get over a 900 save percentage. Like no goalie is on this team just because that's kind of how things work, you know, with the system where it's a lot of shot quality and, and not a lot of shot quantity against, but things aren't going well. Um, and I think the goaltending, as much as I just kind of defended them there with, you know, how the defense goes, like they share some of the blame. I think they've fallen off certainly um, since the start of the season where Grubauer was playing great, Decord was playing lights out. And now I think you're seeing, you know, kind of more average goaltending from a Joey Decord and, and maybe below average recently from a Philip Grubauer. Maybe injuries play into that. You talked about that. We know that Grubauer was injured, uh, you know, just even as recently as last game. I I don't know. I mean, help me help me make more sense. Well, of this. Yeah. I'm kind of just kind of going in circles here about like it could be defense, it could be goaltending. No, you I, know, I mean, I I think last night gave us the perfect example, and we talked about this in post game after the Chicago game. Two of those goals, goals one and three, uh, or no goals goals two and three, I would put on the goaltender, and goals yep. one and four, I put on the defense. Right, Philip Grubauer has no chance on the first one because it's it's two Blackhawks right there in and around his crease. He's like just there's nobody there to help him out in that situation. That's uh, something all goaltenders will struggle with. And then on the fourth goal where it's just back door, somebody's just standing there waiting, you know, and and they're able to get a pass over to him. What goaltender is supposed to stop? a puck behind coming from behind them like that just it's not going to happen and so those are those are defensive issues where the other ones are just shot like the tyler johnson one like you just have to have that you know what i mean yeah like, that's i mean just, you have time to square yeah. up it's just a, a simple shot you can see all yeah. the way you just have to have it yeah but but i think that that gives us a good idea of when it comes to the struggles that this team is having defending it's 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 a group effort it is not just the goaltenders it's not just the defense it's everybody that's really struggling right now um larson was the guy you know in there for that first goal he was stuck out there the rest of the kraken were able to get a change he was not so he was gassed 
all all tired defensemen turn into statues. That's just what they do. Um, it, but again, that's you know more of an excuse than than anything, right? Like like it's it's still something that can't happen, and and that's happened a lot this year for the defense. I feel like the defense, the one area where they've really struggled, RJ, and they were they were starting to put it together, and for that stretch where they went three zero and one before the Canucks game, one of the things that I was really talking about and trying to point out was. You look at the shot charts and other teams weren't able to get in and around their goaltenders, right? They were fine. They were doing a really good job of keeping everything out to the perimeter, make them lower quality chances, allow your goaltender to make an easier save, track the puck a little, all that kind of stuff. You're not, you're not asking them to somehow make a ridiculous save on a bang, bang play right in their crease, which is what happened for a couple of those Chicago goals. And and that stopped in the Canucks game that stopped in the in the Chicago game so the defense has to get back to that but really when i watch the defense rj they do so much puck watching and they do so much just roaming away from where they should be and and this year i think the difference is they've always kind of done this they've always done it and i've talked about it the difference this year is the centers aren't coming back to bail them out as much Right. I think that the Kraken have focused a lot on generating chances. They want it. They want to get deeper into the offensive zone. You look at where all the Kraken shots are coming from. Partly why they have the high expected goals number is they're taking a lot of shots from the center of the ice low in the offensive zone from that slot. They're getting a ton of chances there. And part of that is they're focused on getting up the ice with speed in transition. And I don't think they're having the centers come all the way back to play right in and around the crease that they were in years past. And the defense, I don't think, has adjusted for essentially losing that extra defender there. And so I still think we're seeing far too often guys like Will Borgen or Justin Schultz go off on a little adventure into the corner. And really what you're doing is you're then seeding numbers in front of your goaltender. And you just can't do that. Right. And you see when that happens, too, there's not really a sense of urgency to kind of get back there. And if the center is covering for it, you know, yeah, there doesn't need to be a sense of urgency for it. I think you see it on the fourth Blackhawks goal in the last game where you have Justin Schultz uh, going off into the corner there and kind of being involved in the board battle with um, 58 on the Blackhawks, who ends up scoring. And he's just pretty you know, lackadaisical getting back to, to cover the guy. I mean, as if not so much as if like, he's lazy, just like, Oh, you know, I don't feel like skating over there, but more like, okay, well, someone's got him. Right. Like that's not, yeah. that's not my guy. You know, it feels like that. And I mean, as far as the center's not coming back as much, I think, you know, that's the kind of adjustment that maybe you make when you have the early season struggles like the Kraken did, where you're not scoring as much mm-hmm. and you kind of want to do something to put some pressure offensively uh, to start generating goals. Because that's what, at the, early in the season, that's what they needed more than anything else. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, you, you know, maybe you have the centers come up a little bit more. Whereas last season, I mean, you can tell the centers to just, you know, be as responsible defensively as you can be because every shot's going in for us, it feels yes. like. You know, you look at, we looked at the record from last season, 15, 5, and 3 after 23 games. A lot of that's because they were scoring crazy amounts of goals. You're putting up six, seven, eight goals a night, like way more often than a team should. Um, and so it's easy to kind of be responsible defensively when you are getting that kind of production. And I think it's just, you know, no team's going to be able to get away with that forever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, it's that adjustment that you need to make to kind of play within the bounds of, okay, here's what a normal hockey team's going to do. Right. Exactly. And so, like I said, it's just, there needs to be that adjustment made on both sides, right? It's fine to say, look, we're going to focus on attacking with speed and in transition and get back fast, all that kind of stuff. Okay. 
then the defense needs to know that and make the make a proper adjustment on their end too so that they're not going to put themselves in spots where it's going to be two on one at you know right in front of your goaltender and I, and I think that's something that they need to do um Brian Dumoulin I felt like was one of the guys that did that a lot more earlier in the season but to his credit he stayed home more uh he's been he's been a lot more careful about how far out he ranges uh Jamie Alexiak's been really solid with this this year like so so some of the guys are getting it right I want to point out that it's not all bad um but that's to me what I'm noticing as as one of their struggles this year is just far too often there's one defenseman left alone up front to try to cover multiple opposing team players and that's just that that's never going to work I don't care who you put you can stick Chris Pronger in his prime back there it's at some yeah, point there's only so much you can do yeah and it's only so much you can do as a goaltender too you can't ask a goaltender to win and bail you out of all those situations too so I think that's what the Kraken need to, to focus on what it, you know if if the analytics are speaking the truth and it's the defensive and it's the goals against stuff and hey look you don't even need to go full-on advanced analytics you're 31st of 32 in goals against so far this season right you've allowed 82 goals 82 goals so far this year against in 23 games clearly the problem is that you're allowing too many goals that is a problem and for for my money that's where the problem lies and that's what they can do to fix it is just have those defensemen stay at home more unless you're going to change the offense and have the centers come back to help out yeah it has to be one or the other i think and usually when you look at the kraken if they are just solid enough defensively if they're not puck watching if they're not leaving guys you know if they're not giving teams easy goals basically if they're making them work for their goals They've had success. If you only get into trouble when you kind of hand other teams chances that you know they don't have to work for. And the best example of that would be that first Vancouver game that that one that win against Vancouver in Vancouver, right? Because Vancouver, I mean, they were they're pulling their hair out at times in that one because they weren't able to get to some of their spots. And if you look at that, that was the most complete like defensive strategy and effort game I felt like for the Kraken. You still allowed goals. Like Vancouver's still a good team and stuff. But and there were still the the goals that were allowed were kind of blown plays by the defense there. Um, but I still think as a whole that game was one to look at and say like, look, if you if you go in with a specific strategy and you work hard to stay with that strategy, you can win a game and you can win a game against a good team. And that's what they did in that one. So there there is hope there. It's just it's a matter of of I guess get getting the consistency back for it. And that's, I guess, really been their struggle with everything this year is just consistency. I was going to say consistency in a word. You could point to that for really yeah. everything. Yeah. So that's that's my take on it. Do you do you have anything you'd like to add, RJ? No, I mean, I think we we just about covered it. Like it's <laughs> it's just it's been another week, right, where we're just trying to figure out kind of what what the issue is. New things kind of pop up. And I, I think, yeah, closing it out on consistency is, is probably a good idea. Yes. Now, one place you don't have to worry about consistency, RJ, would, of course, be Queen Anne Beer Hall, where those pretzels are going to be the dopest pretzels around all the time. <laughs> Every time. Don't have to Every worry about time. it. You don't have to worry about it. I'm still, I mean, I'm talking about pretzels. I'm just like still focused on the Detroit style pizza. I cannot wait for that, RJ. Oh my gosh. Um, so there's there's that. But yes, huge shout out to Queen Anne Beer Hall. It's a phenomenal experience walking in there. Every time I'm up in Seattle, I just can't help but smile 
love the fact that you're sitting at those big long tables with other people especially before a game like that they're all cracking fans you're all excited there was a, a vancouver fan who walked in there said go canucks everybody booze him you get that fun experience a lot of fun uh just a just a great place to hang out enjoy some good food enjoy the beer and um and and hang out with sports fans and that's that's what we all want right oh yeah absolutely so really excited about that. Thanks so much for sponsoring the podcast. And thank you all for listening. We will see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash Emerald City Hockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Alvi, Andrew, Anonymous, Beef, Ben, Brad, Brian, Burnt Krem, Kaylin, Shazzle Dazzle, Chris, Christian, Cody, Connor, Coop, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Ethan, Evan, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Habak, Jay, Jane, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Julia, Justin, Katie, Keegan, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Kyle, Leanne, Levin, Light, Lonnie, Maeve, Mark, Max, Maya, Michelle, Michigan Kraken, Nick, Nightdrop, Noah, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Randall, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, Sia Kraken, Sean, Sean, Sergey, Sergeant Pickles, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team 114 Chris, Ty, Wendy, Where the Slovakians At, Strife, and Zame. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support. 